now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good evening, Cayman. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Hope that you guys are doing well. We are here this evening with Premier Panton. I'm just giving him a few minutes to jump on to the live stream. As you guys can appreciate, he's probably had um, a rather full day 
So in case you missed it, folks, this is the start of what I think will be an absolutely fabulous segment um, where he's going to be joining us every other week to answer your questions, to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about, whatever's on your mind. Um, so we appreciate him being open and transparent and willing to come on the program to answer all of your questions live and direct. The Cold Heart Truth now has your premiere access with Premier Panton. Hello, everyone. This is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mar Road's Premiere Access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. Tune into YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency answering your questions down to earth accountable and accessible to who matters you don't miss premier access on the cold hard truth spilling the tea like no one else All right, folks, it's going to be an evening segment with the premiere every other Wednesday. So it's this Wednesday and then not next week, but the week after that. Um, sometimes there might be a little bit of scheduling going on because as you are quite aware, the premiere is obviously very busy. He's got cabinet um, or not cabinet, sorry, parliament starting on Friday. So there will be occasions when, uh, you know, we'll adjust the schedule as needed. But good evening to all of you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As you can see, I'm in a little bit of a dress down attire this evening. I was actually outside playing pickleball, my new love. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I'm so excited about this whole pickleball thing. You know what? It's just an opportunity to kind of run around. I don't have enough yard space for like a tennis court or anything, but you know, pickleball, pickleball um, does it for me. And so we were out in the backyard just hitting the ball around and having a lot of fun. So welcome to Wee Wee. Thank you so much, Mr. Robert. Olivia's here. Marlene is here, Mitzi, Kay, and at least another 100 people. I see all of you online, so let's not waste any time. As some of you have sent in your questions beforehand, and I do have those ready to shoot off to the Premier as well. But let us join together, do a virtual clapping of hands, and welcome Premier Panton. Good evening. Good evening, Sandra. Good evening to all your fans of your show. Um, good to to be on on, a, on an evening show. Uh, Unfortunately, it means I have a bit of a five o'clock shadow um, <laughs> that comes okay. with doing an evening show. <laughs> yes. Well, we appreciate you um, coming on. I know that we've got you scheduled for two hours, but of course, if we finish up and we run out of questions before then, we will definitely um, get you out a little bit quicker so that you can get home to your family and hopefully get some rest. So uh, Kay More says about good getting evening. getting other work, not so much. <laughs> yes. Curvy is here watching. so much work to do, but anyway. Curvy's watching from the Philippines. Diana's here. Wow. King made it. King, what time is it in the UK? One o'clock in the morning? King said he would be here, and there he is. Yeah, uh, nice. There's Hero Blair. Don has got it locked in. Good evening to Wendy. Good evening, Kay. Andrea's here. Wee Wee, of course, and Diana. And like I said, we've got at least 110 people already logged into the program. So let us um, start with... Uh, you given any sort of general comments, and then we'll get right into the questions. Good. Well, well, thanks again, Sandra, and thank you to all of the, the people who have joined um, wherever you are in the world. Um, it's it's always refreshing to know that 
Caymanians who, even if you're away, you're interested in what's going on in your country. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a wonderful thing. Um, you can't take the country out of you. And yes. Um, so we have the start of parliament, the delivery of the budget on Friday, and mm -hmm. we'll be then doing budget debate early next week. Um, and I'm not sure of the timing, but probably towards the, towards the end of the week, we will then move into finance committee, um, to deal with, um, with the actual budget details specifically and go through all of those. Right. So that's something that, you know, people, not everybody is, is always interested in the specific details, mm -hmm. um, but at least, um, I encourage them to listen to the, the, um, the headline statements, whether you're on the opposition side as well, or the government side. Right. So this is an important process and this, the, the budget has required of your government, a lot of preparation. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Well, I mean, it's always, um, it's always a lot of preparation, no matter, mm -hmm. no matter which government it is. Um, but it takes, it takes, um, in truth, it takes months and weeks um, to do to do the, the budget. And of course, um, I think since about 2017, I think 2016, 2017, there was a transition into a two year budget cycle. So the last term we've had um, a full two year budget cycle and, and that's continuing now. So our budget presentation is going to be in respect of 2022 and 2023. Mm -hmm. um, so up, okay. up to the end of 23. So yeah, there's a lot of work. Um, the, the civil service, the ministry of finance, everybody, um, has to put in a lot of work them and the tail end in particular with the ministry of finance, um, those, those folks work really, really hard and they almost have to bring in their little they're caught in their offices to get everything sorted out. So mm -hmm. get, us, get us there and ready. It, it, it's the same thing all the time. It's, there's a lot of work, a lot of effort that goes into it. All right. Well, we'll, we'll certainly um, be tuned in and listening for some key indicators of how the country's moving forward. So Olivia is out of the barn with some questions. And like I said, I do have some other people who've sent questions in advance as well. So Olivia says, good evening, Mr. Panton. My question to you is if the hospitality sector workers don't find employment, how are they going to pay their bills when the siphon is discontinued? Well, the reality is that we are, um, we are not going to have a very clean uh, restart mm -hmm. um, to, to tourism and reopening, you know, that, that sector of our economy. Um, there will be some choppiness. There will be some bumpiness. And we have certainly anticipated that, and we know that um, some people will um, will need to continue to have some degree of support as we move forward. But we are, you know, this government's intention is to is to try to make to make sure that as opportunity is returning to people, um, they continue to be supported until they don't they don't need it um, again. So, you know, it's, it's, we're not going to, to, to stop, um, making payments to people 
December um, 31st, where right. you know, we are going to continue to provide some support um, going into into 2022. And hopefully that that means that, you know, we will have um, increasing opportunity, increasing levels of, of, of tourism and job opportunities returning to center stage for the tourism um, aspect and, uh, and part of the economy. And, and people need to need to engage and pursue those opportunities because that's what we're about as a people. We're mm-hmm. about succeeding. We're about driving ourselves forward and being a part of, of the success of Cayman. Okay. All right. So, um, Olivia, hopefully that answers your question. Sidian, uh, good evening. Lavona is here. Good evening, Lavona. Thank you so much for joining. And Lavona, by the way, let me just express, um, I don't think you've been on the program since the, tr- the tragic loss of another family member of yours. So please allow me to, um, whilst you're here, to publicly express my condolences um, on the loss of your niece. I know it's been a really hard time for your family, generally speaking, over the last month. And I would dare say over the last couple of years, you've lost some some family members. So you know, we were so sorry to hear of, of the tragic loss um, of your niece, which was so incredibly unexpected and shocking. Yes, yes, indeed. That was that was very tragic. Yeah, um, the family has has obviously um, suffered some quite a bit of losses recently. Uh, so they've had more than their fair share of, of difficulties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we I certainly w- would like to extend condolences to all the family, particularly on the the loss of such a, a precious young lady um, as yeah. that member, that young member of their family that, that passed away. Yeah, just so, so, so tragic. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much. She says that she's watching. So Darlene has a question. She always starts out her questions with um, the statement with no disrespect. (laughs) Um, She says, I hope the tourism stipend will not be taken from our people until they find work. So I think that's been answered unless they plan to take it and have our people begging at any use steps. I think that that has already been addressed. Thank you. Uh, uh, Myrta Dilbert says question for the premier. Back in April of 2020, Dr. Lee presented COVID-related projections, i.e. deaths, et cetera. I would like the Premier to advise if this information is still valid, as the death toll for the Cayman Islands was projected to be around 900. Um, Do you know much about those predictions that were presented back in April of 2020? Um, Obviously, I wasn't a part of the government um, at that time, and I doubt that there was um, specific you know, public um, presentation of, of um, those projections. But um, the circumstances were entirely different then. That mm-hmm. would have been, you know, uh, prior to the development of, um, of the vaccine, all of the vaccines, I should say, plural, because we have quite a, quite a few um, very effective vaccines right now, um, mm-hmm. which are approved and came out as well. We have only been using the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca here, and the majority of that, the vast, vast majority, 90, probably 99% is the Pfizer. But that those projections would have been um, prior to any real effective treatments, prior to, um, prior to having the vaccine developed. And it was, I remember doing, listening to Angela Merkel um, back in, I think it was, late March or April of 2020. Um, and I remember her doing a presentation to 
a, a, a public a statement to basically the, the people of Germany. And on the basis of her, um, her projections, I did some back of the envelope calculations that, that we would be losing between 700 and 900 people um, a year in Cayman. So I was, my, my back of the envelope calculations were somewhat similar um, mm -hmm. to Dr. Lee's, but obviously that was all, that was all based on um, the knowledge that existed at that time and the fact that there was no, you know, there was no effective vaccine. Now, now the world is, uh, has changed quite significantly. We have not just vaccines available, um, which obviously the government has been promoting very heavily, both governments promoted um, very heavily since January of this year. And um, we have certainly uh, made a huge degree of pro um, progress. And I would, again, always take the opportunity to thank the, the people of, of Cayman who went out and got vaccinated. And that needs to continue as well, obviously, uh, so that we continue to get those benefits. But they, we, we now have um, additional um, medicines. We have the, the Merck pill, which um, will hopefully be available soon. And there is also a, a pill apparently being developed by Pfizer, which is still in the testing phase. Um, and I think that is projected to, to be even more effective. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's projected to be almost, um, or let's say similarly effective to um, the vaccine courses. Um, so it's there, there, things have changed a lot. There are lots mm -hmm. of other medications available as well, which we do have here in, in Cayman. Also, we have the, the cocktail of um, um, antibodies, monoclonal antibodies that are very effective when taken early on. So if the, the world has learned a lot about this disease and the treatment of this disease, and we have a lot more tools available to us to control it and to, and to help people um, avoid getting sick, um, minimize the risk of death. Um, so we've moved on a lot further from those initial projections. Clearly, we have, we do have people here who are, who are very sick. Um, and that is the sad part of it is that um, with, with all these things that we have available to us to avoid people or minimize the risk of people getting sick, we still mm -hmm. have unfortunately situations where people make decisions not to avail themselves of those options to to try to you know maintain their health and avoid getting sick mm -hmm. uh, losing losing any caymanian uh, is is a very difficult thing for for many of us and um i can tell you for for myself it's uh, any of us who understand the the pain of loss um will be able to relate to the prospect of having to relive pain like that. And it is just simply not something that you, you want to, in, to, um, you want to really think about. Um, but we have, we have so much options available to us. The country is in, is in a good position from a vaccine perspective, but we need to be even better because we still have lots of people who are vulnerable. Um, you know, we, we, we paused our move from phase three into phase four of our reopening plan um, in September because of the, the concern over the outbreak in um, 
in Georgetown Primary School. Um, so we were concerned about our children then. And obviously, we have one of the things we have learned firsthand is that our children are very resilient. Um, but we, we do need to try to minimize, uh, continue to minimize any risk to our children. Um, but we also, I think, uh, have learned that, you know, we still have significant pockets of people who are unvaccinated and who are vulnerable. So, you know, the, the Pines is, is situation is, is an example that, um, you know, we, we would dearly um, love to try to avoid those types of situations occurring. Mm -hmm. A few days ago, we had um, the disclosure um, that a number of people were admitted to hospital. Um, a number, there was a significant number of admissions to hospital um, who were of elderly people. Mm. You know, that is that is a very sad situation, um, and a number of those folks have been uh, found to be unvaccinated. Um, and the ones who are vaccinated have been doing better, you know, have been, right. have been um, faring better um, physically. And you just, you, you know, you, you're really, really concerned. I mean, there was a gentleman that, you know, was sort of saying his wife had, um, had been encouraging him to get vaccinated and he had not, he had been ignoring her and not doing it. And he was, he was basically regretting the fact that he had not taken her advice and not followed her her encouragement to go out and get vaccinated when she did. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you in relation to, um, since you mentioned this, this is a question that came in via Facebook. So this person had a few comments um, about the elderly. So they sent this at 4.53 PM. They said, hi, Sandra. Uh, please, can you ask the Premier why such a low vaccination rate has been accepted at the Pines, with the residents being the most vulnerable persons on island? Why the Premier expects us to vaccinate our five-year-olds once approved, yet allowed 90-year-olds with comorbid comorbidities to go unvaccinated, and why the Pines wasn't locked down when community spread was first identified? And finally, why there are no daily LFT testing um, going on there, allowing 10 residents to be infected. And when my two-year-old has had to do daily LFT testing for the past 18 days of this month. So the general question is really what's happening at the Pines. Um, is the Pines owned by government? I wasn't too sure about how the management. Oh, the, the Pines is an independently run um, organization okay. um, and, and, you know, home service, um, right. care service. And, they i i i'm aware i've been advised that they do have a fairly um robust uh, policy dealing with with um protections around the these their their clients um mm. who yes they are vulnerable obviously mm -hmm. um but there is a certain reality here sandra in that you can you can only do so much um you need many many times these folks need their family members to consent to um, them getting vac vaccinated some of you know some of them are just not in a position um, to make those decisions for themselves mm -hmm. and you know i don't know the full circumstances um but i i 
would imagine that it may have been something along the lines of um, family members just not um, deciding not to not to have their loved ones vaccinated for whatever reason. Um, but the, the important point is it is not um, a, 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 an organization that the government owns or controls. It is independently operated. There are facilities that government obviously um, has more control over and there are um, specific policies in relation to, to those. Um, and so far, I, I don't think we've had any any difficulties with those. Um, some very strict policies have been in place there for probably at least the past month. Um, but it, it is it is a you know it's a sad situation there, and I'm I'm hoping that um, it gets resolved without any of the the residents um, you know getting very sick or paying too high a price. Right. Uh, but it's but it's not something that um, can be. I, I don't think we we can tell them what to do. It's a, it's an independent organization. Okay, and just to um, the person did share a um, response. Seems like they sent it to the management or the directors at the home. And uh, Pamela Webster replied and said, "Thanks for your supporting community concern with the Pines. I assure you that the board and CEO had begged the families who refused vaccinations to please do so." They brought in doctors, church leaders, speakers, and every resource, and without law, really could not kick them out, um, or with compassion, never would, the patients, right. that is. And I also assure you that every PPE protocol is followed. Um, please bless, bless the frontline workers. They love and adore our beloved vulnerable patients 24-7. And I was there over 20 hours this week as a board member and saw firsthand the strict protocols. Um, and let's pray and give love. And I have to wonder, I mean, one of the things that hasn't been clear about the Pines is whether or not the employees who work there are all vaccinated or not, because I know that at least one of them over the weekend had tested positive. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate, you know, because again, there's such an incredibly vulnerable community that I hope now that one of the protocols in place, um, well, I think they've locked it down now, but anyone who wants to visit should be doing a lateral flow test before having right. access. Absolutely, that, those are the types of things yeah. we would encourage. I mean, uh, and, and it's not just in that context, as you know, in, in our last press briefing, um, a lot of emphasis was, was put on the fact <laughs> that people are going to go traveling, um, particularly just the weekend that the border, um, that mm -hmm. the quarantine envelope was removed for vaccinated travelers. We know people are going to go off shopping and, and it's their first time off the island for some considerable period of time. And we just we want people to be very careful coming back and recognize that they may pose a potential risk to their, you know, to their loved ones, to those people around them in their families and in their, in their communities who are vulnerable. Um, so we, yes, we everybody has to do the, the two, five, 10 day lateral flow tests. Um, um, but um, still exercise a degree of, of um, caution and limit your involvement, limit limit your potential exposure to people who are vulnerable, whether they're young people or whether they're, yeah. they're elderly family members or community members. Yep. Uh, Denny has a question. Denny says, good evening. The EU recognizes natural immunity. Why is the Cayman Islands not recognizing natural immunity? Uh, we may get there. I don't know at this point. Um, one of the things is that we have not had um, you know, the same kind of experience the, the EU has had. Um, <clears throat> other countries in the world have had 
um, we, you know, we for 14 months or so, we had no community transmission. And that, um, that I think um, has left us in a situation where we, we don't have anything resembling um, natural immunity. Um, so, and, and natural immunity is, is something that there's still, there's still some uncertainty about. I, yeah. I think we may get to a point, um, particularly because of the, the level of local transmission and case numbers that we're having, we may get to a point where we are in a position to perhaps recognize that someone who is, who has um, not, who, who has recovered from COVID, um, say for a period of two months, they're going to have some degree of, of um, natural protection. Um, but there is certainly no guarantee. I'm, I'm aware of so many people who have um, gotten COVID twice, both people um, just recently here in Cayman. And um, there was a, there was a, a friend who left Cayman in 2020, um, went to the States, got COVID. Um, it was, it was, I think they got sick to an extent, but recovered well. And then two months later, um, got COVID again and mm -hmm. ended up in hospital in a very serious condition, recovered yeah. eventually. But it is just something that you don't, um, you know, you don't don't believe that recovering from COVID is somehow going to give you um, this this extended protection from COVID. The reality is, use all the options that are open to you. If you recover from COVID um, and you haven't been vaccinated, go and get vaccinated. It's mm -hmm. it's only going to add to your your level of protection that you have. And let's be very clear. I was actually just having a look at this um, EU certificate that he's making mention of. So this is the EU digital COVID certificate. So basically they uh, recognize three things. They recognize a vaccination certificate, obviously, a test certificate and a certificate of recovery. And um, so that's three different types of COVID-19 certificates that they um, recognize. And the EU digital COVID certificates are issued and used in all member states to facilitate free movement during the COVID-19 pandemic. So in other words, um, you know, people can move from one member state to another for travel purposes. Now, of course, Europe, I don't know that they're the best example at the moment to be talking about because they are the worst. Uh, they're getting, I don't know if this is wave number four, wave number five, I don't know what wave we're in, but um, as it goes at the moment, Europe actually has the worst outbreak right now in real time mm -hmm. of COVID-19. So Euro News says the headline today, 11 minutes ago, COVID in Europe, France is deteriorating as uh, Italy is um, looking to lock down again. COVID cases um, arise, or rising, sorry, across the European nations. And PAHO, the world, um, the Pan-American Health Organization, is issuing warnings. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a dire situation, I think, the world over, but Europe in particular um, is having a bit of a situation. So, you know, the UK is talking about a potential lockdown even before or during the month of December for Christmas. So well, yeah, I mean, they, Boris Johnson has said that he is not—he's um, not ruling out the possibility of that. Right. So yes, um, you know yeah, that is. Yeah. But I, I do think that they seem to be in in a sort of better position than other parts of of um, you know the than other I shouldn't say other parts of Europe anymore since they're not part of Europe anymore, but um, 
than than the European countries. Mm -hmm. um, but it's 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 still a, a, a serious situation, even right. with the you know with the levels of of even with the historical experiences um, and the, and and the the drive to vaccinate people that has been ongoing there for so long, um, they're still uh, having a lot of problems. And we frankly are in a much better position because of the effort that we've put into driving up the vaccine rate here in Cayman. And I know I've, you know, I've, I've heard so many people say to me, I'm tired of hearing you talking about getting vaccinated, but um, my, my view is I'm going to keep saying it. I don't care how tired you are. I'm going to keep saying it because I don't want to see, I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want to see people getting sick and, and, and dying unnecessarily. And let's face it, we, we are where we are now. It was never going to be a situation where we could avoid having COVID in the community. Mm -hmm. um, there, have, there have been discussions from back in, you know, in July um, um, with people saying, so, the, the opposition were saying reopen on September 1st. Um, our, our plan was a phased reopening, which effectively began on the, the 9th of September. Um, with, with still the controls in place, um, the, the quarantine envelope was to be in place until the 14th of October. Yeah. Um, and of course we paused it and then we re, we've gotten to the point now where we're in phase four and we're, we've dropped the quarantine envelope for the vaccinated travelers. Um, so we're five weeks behind in terms of where we had intended to be. Um, but in any event, it doesn't matter what it was, we were always going to have COVID back in the community. You will remember some of the earlier press conferences where I kept saying the same thing, folks, mm -hmm. please go out and get vaccinated because we are going to have COVID back in the community. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't like the level that we're at. We are, we're at a, at a level of transmission that I think um, we can bring down if we all work together. Um, we, we just have to adhere to the, the mask protocols, the social distancing protocols and sanitizing our hands, particularly masks, you know, don't go into to closed rooms or, or enclosed areas with big crowds um, and not wear, not wear your mask and, and try mm -hmm. to social distance. We can bring the number down. I think the latest number was 176 <clears throat> um, positives and it is, it is ticking down Ever the daily so average, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, the average is ticking down ever mm -hmm. so slightly right now. Right. I want to see it start to start to come down significantly. I want to mm -hmm. see those numbers come come down to below 100 mm -hmm. um, uh, on a daily basis, and then and then once we're below 100, I want to I want to see that eventually cut in half again. So we're down into the you know the 30s and 40s. Um, that's the sort of target that that I want to see us accomplish. In the, in the coming weeks and i think we can do it Cayman can do it we we know how to do this we just have to be disciplined about it we have to work together and and we can mm -hmm. we can make this happen Cayman. it's for all of our benefits we we we're we're people that are kind and caring and we look after each other we welcome guests uh, this is just one more thing we have to do to make sure mm -hmm. we look after each other and, and our guests and folks, let's put it in perspective quickly in terms of what is happening um, across Europe. These are some of the latest figures. So we have, um, according to the BBC, at any rate, the World Health Organization has just issued the alert again. Regional Director Dr. Hans Klug 
warned that 500,000 people, so that's half a million more deaths, could be recorded by March unless urgent action is taken. He said an increase in mask wearing could immediately help. So again, people are out there not even wearing masks. It's just unbelievable. Um, so several nations reported record high infection rates and introduced full and partial lockdowns. He said some contributing factors include the winter season, insufficient vaccine coverage, and the regional dominance of the more transmissible um, Delta variant were all behind the increase in the numbers. So he called for an increase in vaccination uptake, the implementation of basic public health measures, and new medical treatments to help fight the rise um, of COVID. So he said mandatory vaccine measures should be seen as a last resort, but that it could be very timely to have a legal and societal debate about the issue now. And of course, again, the numbers and the mortality rate for the region is skyrocketing. Austria just on Friday became the first European country to announce uh, that COVID-19 vaccinations would be a legal requirement. And the new rules are set to come into force in February. Um, and of course, you know, they also did a national lockdown and there's some other things that are coming. Countries like the Czech, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia have announced um, fresh restrictions on unvaccinated people as record infection rates are recorded across the continent for them as well. So not a pretty sight. Germany health minister uh, Jean Spahn described the situation as a national emergency and refused to rule out another national lockdown and the UK recorded 44,242 new coronavirus cases on Friday. So just to put uh, that question in perspective. So let's move on to your questions. Thank you, Denny. Ms. Della says, why is the World Health Organization, <clears throat> sorry, um, not been kept up to date with our island's COVID-19 status? I'm not sure I understand that question. Why would I, I think perhaps she means that, um... They, they don't have an updated um, indication of of um, of our case numbers perhaps I don't know mm. but how do, how do we in terms of reporting protocol don't we send that to Paho and WHO as far as I'm aware yes um because I mean you Go know ahead. even if you do a search online it comes up in like databases almost daily it's updated up to November 23rd um what the new cases and stuff are so i'm not really sure what that's all about yeah i mean i'm looking at um what website is this this is new cases per this is even wikipedia has it at 6091 with four recorded deaths so that's at least fairly recent within the last yeah. couple of days that's, that's okay accurate. Yeah. yeah so world world meters as well has it at 6283 recovered 2234 um and then the numbers did come out right around six o'clock this evening folks so again as of 8 a.m this morning so they've been doing it kind of like up to 8 a.m in the mornings dr lee has reported um another 176 positive cases with 175 being from local transmission and um, there are 28 COVID-19 patients who are hospitalized at this time. Okay, questions. Uh, Diana says that she got her booster shot this evening. Well done. Uh, Thanks, Sanya, thank you for tuning in. She said, good evening, my most honorable premier. 
Thank you for that statement as we in cruise, cruise tourism are in trouble, mostly the older ones like myself who find it challenging to find work. Um, thank you very much. Any any thoughts on, uh, Sanya brings up a point. I mean, obviously some people are being retooled. We talked about this this morning with the Minister um, of Tourism and Transport when he was on the morning show about some of the training opportunities that are being made available um, you know, through his ministry and otherwise bartending courses and other things. Yeah. But Samia, I'm going to guess she's probably in her 60s. Samia, I hope I, have, I haven't aged you incorrectly. But, you know, she's a grandmother. She's been doing taxi yeah, driving and bus operation for some she's time. She's a young 60. She's a young, she's a young 60, 60, yes. <laughs> so how do you bridge um, the gap? Like she's saying that she's having a difficult time. I think she's also mentioned previously that mm -hmm. she's been in a, a few courses and stuff already, but she's having a hard time getting employment. And I think this is something that, um, it's weird, but young people face this sort of like almost age discrimination and older people face it as well, where a lot of employers don't want to hire someone of a particular age. Yeah. Well, and, and it's for different reasons, you know, yeah. um, some, some of the, the people who are, are on the older side, I think sometimes they feel that, um, they're, they're going, their expectations are greater. So they don't, they don't want to consider taking them on. Um, and people who are on the younger side, they, they sort of say, well, you don't have enough experience. Um, so unless they have the specific experience and the specific training, they don't want to give them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, there are people who are, who present themselves as more mature and experienced people um, who can handle situations in a calm manner and understand what it's like to be able to deliver great service, et cetera. Um, we can train people to do that. And this is what we have wanted the, the tourism industry, the, the, the big stakeholders in the tourism, tourism industry to be doing. Um, and this is, you know, they, they, they made promises to us that they were going to engage. Um, they were, they tried to do certain recruitments, they said, which weren't that, um, apparently that successful. Um, but I, frankly, if you do, if you do uh, recruitment online, um, you're going to miss a lot of people. So the, mm -hmm. you know, this was, we, we were at a point in time several months ago where, you know, it was, it was a lot easier to do online, sorry, to do in-person recruitment. Um, we could have been doing it then um, and doing it much more effectively and giving more opportunities to our people. But we're going to maintain the position that as we continue to, to open up and make progress with restoring the tourism economy, um, that, you know, our Caymanians have to continue to, to, to come first and getting those opportunities. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was never a question that we were going to go full steam, um, with, with tourism, both in terms of the numbers of people coming in and the opportunities. Um, I think, you know, every, everybody anticipated there was going to be a slow, uh, ramping up. Um, yes, there were people who, or look at, we'll look at the numbers now and say we'd like, the, like it to be higher. Um, but obviously for us um, as a country, um, being able to transition more slowly into, um, into regrowing our tourism industry, uh, restoring it, um, is not a bad thing. It allows us to, to learn where there are glitches and there are issues to deal with um, and be in a better position to handle them with lower consequences than if we suddenly had this huge rush of people coming back. 
I personally believe there's a lot of, of demand out there for Cayman. Um, and I think people um, pe people had had bought into this perception that somehow this government was not going to be willing to, um, you know, to take the chance of um, going ahead with with the reopening and 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 removing the um, the quarantine envelope for our protected and vaccinated travelers. Um, clearly, we have we have established now that you know we are a government that is delivering what it says it's going to deliver um, and we are moving forward and we're addressing a lot of the, the concerns and issues yes there are some teething problems um, but i'd rather have those teething problems now as i said with with this gradual ramp up than if we were in a full blown rush of people coming in the door and having to deal with that problem then mm -hmm. okay thank you um we do have some cruise ship related questions. So we'll do them both at the same time. So Amy says, on what basis are you welcoming back cruise ships in December, 2021 under stage four of the reopening plan when previously you indicated that uh, there was only gonna happen under level five. If you prepared to relax certain aspects yet again, can we request you to relax the restrictions for those Caymanian or residents with young children? Yeah. Um, cruise ship passengers seem like a far greater risk but very little benefit to the island. And there was another question. So let me just read them sort of in conjunction with each other that said, Sandy, my question is about the cruise ship booking. Why are the ships allowed to sell all local tours? This is a slightly different question, which most times leaves taxis with no work. They need to change. Only buses get work. Hopefully this government will put Cayman first and change this. So two separate questions. Um, I think it was CM CMR that broke the story last night that we understand, again, the government has not officially confirmed this, but we understand from um, reliable sources that a ship is coming in towards the end of December. Okay, so um, I, I believe, I haven't seen it myself, but I believe um, an official press release has gone out. Oh, okay. Confirming I haven't that, seen it yet. Um, that there is... Um, an agreement to allow a cruise um, visit under very strict circumstances. Um, basically, all this this particular um, visit is it falls within the general theme of the approach that the government is going to take in terms of um, a strategic approach with cruise. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is to go with um, lower quantity, um, higher, higher um, quality experience, and and developing um, a tourism product and a tourism uh, cruise tourism experience that is that is much better than you know the high volume um, shoulder to shoulder crowded days type of approach that has been done in the past. Mm -hmm. I think the country wants that kind of approach. And I think we can we can engage with that sort of approach um, in a much more successful way and and have it deliver more for the country with less of the, the, the negative aspects. Um, however, we, ha we have not um, fully developed that yet. But where we're at right now is this this particular opportunity was presented um, in a quite unique way in that the the vessel will 
be making its first stop in in Cayman, in Grand Cayman. Um, so it is not going to any other country. It is leaving its port of embarkation um, in Florida, and it is coming direct to to um, Grand Cayman. Um, all passengers are vaccinated. Um, there, I think there is one person um, who has a medical exemption who I think is um, is also handicapped, but will not be um, disembarking, will not be coming ashore. So all, all crew, all passengers are vaccinated. There are no unvaccinated um, children. And this is going to be, you know, they're in for seven or eight hours and then they leave um, and go on to their, their next destination. Right. Uh, the reality is they're going to get PCR tested um, just, just, as we, just as we do pre-flight um, PCR testing um, for Cayman to come here. Um, they're going to get PCR tested. Then they're going, when they reach the ship, they're going to get a lateral flow test as they board. Um, and anyone who tests positive obviously is not going to be allowed um, to, to board. And then it comes straight to Cayman. So mm -hmm. it is within a quite a, quite a, a tight um, and protected envelope um, with no opportunity to stop, some, stop in another country uh, or another port. I know if you look at the details on the, the website, it doesn't show quite that, but this is, the, um, this is a presentation we've had and this is the, the basis upon which we have agreed that this vessel can make this this stop um you know, what this does for us is it, it allows us the opportunity um to in a small way um have the experience of having a cruise visit come in quite very controlled circumstances the normal capacity on the ship i think is about 2655 or somewhere thereabouts yes yeah, 666 yeah. Okay. So, um, my memory is not exactly on, but it's close enough. Not, not far uh, off. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're running it at about 60% capacity, maximum of 60% capacity, which is about 1600 passengers. Um, that gives them a lot more space to, um, to spread out. They will be wearing masks on the vessel when they're not in their, their state rooms and, or they're, you know, obviously if they're sitting at their tables and eating, they won't be wearing masks. Um, but if, if they're moving around indoors, they're going to be wearing masks um, other than when they're in their own state rooms or, or on their balconies. So there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, protocols around um, protecting the passengers, limiting the opportunity for, for, um, for any infections that may be present um, and it's, you know, with the, with the testing, with them coming on board um, and the short period of time they'll be at sea before they make one short stop here, uh, I think the, the risk is, has been significantly reduced. Um, we've had discussions with our, obviously our medical um, advisors here and the, the view is that um, we think this is this is a risk that is um, very manageable. Um, so that's it's on that basis that um, 
you know the vessel has been allowed to make this, this to make this one stop mm-hmm. that's obviously a very unique situation and i don't see that happening um I, I can't say you know nobody else will ever try it um but i don't see that happening um, on a on a significant basis at all and certainly it is not it, our, our approach to this is that it is a, a unique opportunity and it's a one-off for us to um, reintroduce um, crews and to our folks that haven't seen that, haven't been involved with it um, since last year, since March of last year. Mm-hmm. And it would be a good way to, to, to identify what we have to do in order to re-engage and, and get the necessary protocols in place to successfully move forward you know, when we do this, you know, in the coming months. So um, please excuse me, folks. I'm going to allow Kevin to take over in a co-hosting capacity here for just a little bit. I've got a break-in story that must go up immediately on the website. You guys are going to be floored by this, but give me about five, 10 minutes to get that up. So Phil, um, Kevin, sorry, we'll be asking your questions starting with Philip and the ones that have come through on WhatsApp. I'll attempt to send some of those through, but we've got an unbelievably breaking story here. You guys would be shocked. Give me a few minutes. Let me get it up, and then I'll be right back. So, Kevin, you can go ahead and take over with Philip. Thank you, and uh, good night, everyone in Cayman. Good night, Premier Panson. How are you? I am good, my friend. How are you? So fantastic to see you. I see you wearing your Cayman, your Grand Cayman pendant there. Yes. Thank that you. Is, Sandra is just messaged and said she had breaking news, and so I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. She's scaring me. You know, she's telling me it, it, it's going to floor people. I'm like, well... Don't you want to tell me, you want to warn me on the side if I'm going to get floored? I don't think it is, but um, I'm hoping it's nothing serious. Yeah, uh, she didn't even tell me what it is. She says, Kevin, I just need the help, so I'm here to jump on in. But let's go back to uh, the questions, because we want to make sure that we get to the questions from the people here that you know have, have a lot of different things that they're asking. And so Philip is asking, can the Premier say what is happening with allowing people 18 and older to get the booster shot? particularly the children coming back from university and yeah. are now six months past their last shot? Well, Philip, thank you for that question. Um, it's, it's a good question. We we now are at the point where we're allowing people down to 40 um, do the booster shots. Um, to be frank, I think that, you know, and I've had discussions with, with the governor um, and he's willing to help support us in our, you know, in our position that, We'd like to, um, to to make them available to, to anyone who has had the double vaccination and who has gone past their six months to you know to get the booster shot. So um, I can't guarantee it at this point. Um, obviously, we are very grateful to the UK for um, for giving us and making these uh, these vaccines available to us as well as the booster shots. Um, and I think you know there's a good chance that they will agree to you know allow us to expand the booster shot program so i'm really really encouraging everybody um who's, who qualifies right now who's able to go out and get the shot right now please go and do it um i will tell you that it is for some people it it has no impact um for some it does sort of set you on your on your bum for a day or so um and that's what it did to me but it is very very worth it when you consider the level of protection you get from um, from COVID, um, serious COVID illness. Um, it is absolutely worth it. It is too late to, to think about it once you're very sick and you 
you regret not going out and doing it. So please, folks, go get your boosters. Uh, we're going to continue the discussions with um, with the governor, and 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 he will continue interceding on our behalf with the with the UK. And I'm I'm very hopeful that we'll be able to expand it even further from where we're at right now. Um, so. The same approach really is going to happen in relation to the um, the vac vaccines for uh, children between five years and eleven. Um, we are what's what's happening in respect of that is that we're waiting for the the UK um, MHRA, the regulatory authority, to um, to approve to make a decision as to whether they will be doing that in the UK, and then we will if if the if the answer is yes, then we will hopefully benefit from that. We'll get um, the supply of the, that particular kids version for um, for, our, for our, our young kids that and families that want to to avail themselves of that will have that available to them. Now, one other possibility is if we can get a if we can get access to a source um, outside of the UK, um, we may be able to to make that available in Cayman outside of that, um, outside of the UK um, supply. You know, that's something that we may be prepared to do if we can get access to it. The problem is that, as you know, Kevin, um, it is very difficult for even big countries, but much bigger countries than ourselves to get access to a reliable vaccine supply. Even though our quantities are small, um, it is just not easy um, when you are you're competing with many other countries out there who have been, you know, going through vaccine, um, what what we would call or what I would call uh, vaccine desperation when they're trying to get sources. I mean, I've had um, some some of our fellow Caribbean countries call up and say, "Can you sell me um, 100,000 doses of Pfizer or 50,000 doses of Pfizer?" And I said, "Well, we at that time I think we hadn't even had 100,000 doses of Pfizer." In total, so, uh, you know, uh, participating in the CARICOM heads of state discussions and meetings, you know, it's very clear that um, a lot of our Caribbean um, neighbors are are really desperate to get a reliable vaccine supply. And this is this is one of the incredible benefits of our relationship with the UK, which we absolutely have to continue to be thankful for. But we want to be able to get the booster program extended and we want to be able to get um, either through the UK or if we're able to find a source through the through the, the US, for example, or somewhere else, um, access to the the approved um, the, the FDA approved um, children's vaccine. Absolutely, and I know you touched about um, your experience getting the booster shot, and I was able to benefit of getting the booster shot here in the US. And uh, because again, we do have a little bit more. Um, expanded ability to be able to offer it to more people so I was eligible and so again it, it put me out for about the day but I am absolutely happy and I felt so much better that I had it and I want to yeah. encourage anybody um, my age or older everyone needs to to really consider getting it sorry if you, if you saw the lights go off here it's because it they go off at eight o'clock it wasn't that somebody forgot to pay the bill but <laughs> I had someone arranged to go and turn them back on <laughs> perfect thank you so that's usually my cue to go home but <laughs> it's like okay yep time to go you're working uh, you're, you're starting to really work a little later <laughs> okay so we got kathy asking a lot of people um a lot, sorry, a lot of places in the world still has 
to shut down, even having the vaccine to help control the virus. How can anyone here guarantee that we will survive the outbreak without implementing further restrictions? People are naturally not abiding because there are no there there's no strict accountability. Yeah, um, I you know, we have seen some examples around the world with um, with countries that are um, highly vaccinated and who have who have run into difficulties and do have outbreaks going on. Uh, I don't I can't really think of one that's really highly vaccinated that has had to go into lockdown, um, but they have had difficulties. They have had outbreaks that that they've had to reimpose um, certain restrictions. I mean, let's take Gibraltar as an example. Um, that was a very, is a very highly vaccinated um, fellow um, overseas, British overseas territory, and they um, they they started having an outbreak, um, even though they were, I think they were something like ninety something percent um, vaccinated. Um, as usual, you have to look at some of the details, right? So, my understanding with with Gibraltar was that they came out. They were like one of the first overseas, probably the first overseas territory, to roll out vaccines, and they they got that they got that rolled out very quickly to uh, their in their entire population. Um, so they have they have um, they're in a period where their their vaccine efficacy has started to wane. Um, then you have the reality that they have a an, a, a land bridge. Um, with Spain, and there's 10,000 people a day crossing that land bridge to come to work in in Gibraltar and then going back home. Um, so there is, you know, there is the introduction um, of of significant risk there as well. So they they have had difficulties, um, and they're they're having to, to impose some controls, stricter controls there. Um, we. I don't anticipate that we're going to be in a position where we're going to, to have to impose any real significant um, measures, including something uh, akin to a lockdown. But to be perfectly honest, and you will know this, Kevin, it comes down to how seriously our people take their own personal responsibility and their responsibility and contribution to the, the community as a whole. Um, if we do not um, try to keep ourselves safe and utilize our masks and, and, and minimize the opportunities for risk and avoid situations which are risky, um, you know, we are going to have to continue to have um, community transmission and it, it, we can't have significant spikes of it. There's just, you know, it's, we don't have... Um, we don't have a significant portion of the population with booster shots. We have a considerable number that have are, have gone past their six-month um, period. We also still have a significant number that are that are unvaccinated. And then, of course, we have somewhere in the region of about ten or ten thousand children that are not capable of of being vaccinated, um, and they are they are very effective. Um, uh, they they. They're very, very resilient, and they they don't tend to get sick, but they get they can get infected very quickly and transmit it very quickly because of the you know the level of fun loving interactions that that children have as usual. So we have 
um, we have to continue to be to be cautious. Um, we have to ramp up our ability to you know control this this community spread, and we are only going to do that by by taking personal responsibility and thinking about others as we go about our daily lives and activities. Absolutely. Got someone that uh, sent on WhatsApp and who wants to remain anonymous, um, but it's asking, mask wearing is so important. Why are offices open? Um, oh, why are offices with open plans exempt from mask wearing and left to make their own policies, mm -hmm. essentially um, only requiring employees to wear a mask if moving about the office while not at their desk? Well, I mean, I think I think in, a, in an office scenario where people are sitting at their own desks, you tend to have a natural social distance distancing um, uh, situation. Um, and if as if they're sitting there working, then you know they're the the risk that they are emitting and and um, and adding to the amount of of um, of virus in the air uh, will be will be a lot lower. Obviously, if they're doing a lot of talking, um, then in those types of scenarios, they should be they should be wearing masks. And but we leave that up to the businesses to work out their own particular risk profiles and have them um, have them put in place policies which may ensure that their their staff and the environment that they're providing to for their staff to work in and for customers to participate in is as safe as possible. They're the best ones to be able to work out exactly what kind of policies um, would would work best for them, and they they have um, an obligation to their their employees. Um, they have an obligation to any visiting customers or clients um, to ensure that the the environment is as safe as it as it can be. Um, so we haven't done anything in the way of mask mandates um, because we think that um, people can be. Um, responsible and they're able to make the best best decisions uh, which reflect their particular circumstances this question from Robert not sure if this is going to be a question you could answer uh, tonight but how many if um, how many if any have contracted COVID twice or more and have con and have uh, did contact tracing um, get carried out on them uh, I can't tell you how many. I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that it is a a number that anybody specifically tracks. Um, but I am aware of of you know at least at least a handful that I can think of that have contracted COVID twice, um, and I would expect that more often than not, contact tracing is done. But we are at a place um, where contact tracing is is you know a lot more difficult because of the significant volumes, and you have to rely more on people to you know accept as I said the personal responsibility um, and maintaining the, um, the compliance with the you know with the, with the public health protocols like mask wearing and sanitizing and social distancing. This is a respiratory disease, and you are primarily going to contract it by breathing in um, droplets or micro droplets that are suspended. And, you know, the mask wearing in particular when you're indoors and when you're around other people um, 
is the right thing to be doing to protect yourself. And if you are an individual that is going to be doing a lot of talking, um, you know, wearing your mask while you're talking is going to protect other people because if, you know, in the event that you are yourself positive. So if we're, if we're all doing this, um, it minimizes the opportunity for the, for the virus to spread and we're all going to be in a safer, healthier um, place. And that is what this government cares about. And, you know, m many people, um, whether they know me or not, they, uh, just for everyone's knowledge, I do work in public health here in the state of Florida. I work for the Department of Health. Well, next week's my last week. Um, but either way, um, and I can tell you that um, our case investigators here have investigated situations where people have added at least up to three different times throughout right. the course of the pandemic. Um, I don't know of anyone personally more than that, but I do know so far at least three times. Um, and so it's not a great number, but it is certainly possible. And I know earlier you were mentioning that you personally know uh, somebody that's had it more than one time um, yeah. or, and stuff as well. So it's certainly you don't have full immunity um, after getting infected. And, and so it, it's so important to, you know, strengthen that protection by, by yeah. getting vaccinated. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's been a narrative that, you know, for some people that um, natural immunity is, is, is something that is ironclad. And once you've caught it, you're not going to catch it again. That's just not the case. I can tell you of a young man, a young schoolboy in Cayman, who has had COVID twice now in the space of about two and a half months, um, recovered from it and, and then caught it again and, and had worse symptoms the, the second time around. Um, I gave the example earlier of a, of a friend that I know that that moved to the state, moved back to the states, um, got COVID, didn't get really sick, recovered, and then a couple of months later caught it again. Um, that was towards the end of last year, and, and got very sick after that. So this is this is not something for people to take lightly, and I'm going to always continue to encourage people to go out. If you're not vaccinated, go out and get vaccinated. This vaccine is safe and it is um, it is approved um, and it is going to work it helps you um, it it minimizes the risk doesn't eliminate it but it lowers the risk that you're going to get infected um, and it significantly lowers the risk that you are going to get sick and possibly die um, I can tell you there are many households in Cayman that I have observed over the past weeks where we've had one person um, in the household who, and, and oftentimes is a child uh, who is positive, a child who's obviously um, by definition unvaccinated. And there are two or three other adults in the house, parents included, who are all vaccinated and they go through the full period of recovery with the, the child um, and they don't, they don't get it. They don't catch it. And in my mind, there is no doubt that um, being vaccinated helps in that respect, as well as it helps significantly in, in preventing people from getting very sick. So we have Amy is saying if the UK is mandating vaccinations for frontline workers, is this under consideration for the Cayman Islands or if for the entire adult population, as in Austria? Well, we are, I don't think we, we need to be in a position where we are 
um, considering mandatory vaccinations for the entire adult population. Um, we, our position and our experience um, is a lot different from, from Austria's. I think Austria, they're, they're still around what, 60s, mid 60s um, in terms of vaccine distribution. So that that is a difficult position for them. We're, we're in a, in the stage that we're at where we're 80, 83%, 82% first shot and nearly 80%. Seems like we might have lost the premiere for a little bit. Let's see if he will get reconnected. His internet might have went out. Let's see. Let's see where. Hopefully it's not a situation where they disconnect him because he's been working too long. <laughs> it, it, could, it could be. I just messaged him to see uh, um, what was going on. But yeah. But Sandy, right, well, let, let's, let's talk like about. Um, yeah, I mean, while we're waiting on the premiere to uh, reconnect, I can now share the breaking news with you guys. I'm sorry, I was I was getting it in the middle of, of the show, and I wanted to have an opportunity to sit down and actually put it up on the website. But um, folks, uh, Dr. Stacy McAfee from UCCI has resigned as president of the university. Interesting. Did they, yeah. did they state why? Uh, did she state why or? Um, she just says that she's doing it with a heavy heart and she talks about a lot of her accomplishments. But of course, you'll know that just three days ago, I don't even know if it's a full three days yet, we had um, talked about the fact that, um, you know, she was seeking to keep her position at the university, a position that is well paid. And there was some friction between herself, allegedly, and the board of directors. And so um, it's quite interesting that um, on the heels of that story, we now hear that she has made the decision to not seek to renew her contract which comes to an end uh, at the end of, of December. So she said that her and her family will be leaving then. And she talked about a number of her accomplishments whilst um, in the position. So we'll definitely talk about that probably uh, the morning show. Ironically, we have other UCCI stories that were in the pipeline uh, that we were working on. And we will, we, will, we will still put those stories out there because I think it's important that people perhaps move forward with a certain degree of understanding of what was actually happening at the university. But yeah, that's the breaking news that I went to work on is that president of UCCI sent an email folks at 7.30 this evening uh, saying that she is resigning. So um, hopefully the premier can come back. There's so many questions that have come in for him. And I think that we'll have to bank some of them until the next time we have been getting some on uh, WhatsApp as well. Let me just see if I can reach him on WhatsApp um, to see if he's able to jump back in. Um, I think people are so anxious for this opportunity to ask him questions that obviously when he comes on, the two hours will probably uh, barely be enough. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, well, well, while you work and seeing if you could get them on, I could just uh, highlight some of the, the, the latest data that came in. Sure. Um, and so, 
Uh, I know you kind of highlighted it earlier, but it, I know some people might have joined and might not have heard it. So um, the latest report is that um, there were 1,139 uh, 1, PCR tests um, that were carried out, and this is as of 8 o'clock um, this morning. And of that, seven, uh, 176 positive cases came out. And um, it says that one of these positives was from a traveler. Um, the next 175 were from the community. And so um, the Cayman Islands now has uh, 4,140 um, active cases. So a lot of people are out there um, that, have, uh, that, that, that are going through COVID right now. And so they also said in the reports that as of eight this morning, there's um, 122,920 COVID vaccines that have been given out in total. So that represents about 81% of the population, which I know that's where it's been for quite some time. That's um, 57,874 with at least the one dose. And then for those who are fully vaccinated with their two doses, that's about 80, uh, 78%. Uh, which is 55,751. And then we, we continue to increase the numbers of individuals who got their booster vaccine, um, 9,739 people, which is about 14% of the population. Um, they, they've gotten that third dose, which is the, uh, the booster vaccine. So, you know, as eligibility um, expanded, more and more people are taking up that opportunity to um, get their booster shot, which again, the premier um, not too long ago mentioned the importance of, of getting it. I know I have personally gotten it and I'm very happy that I did. I encourage all my friends and family um, to get it once they are able to, because it's definitely um, something we need to do um, to be able to protect one another. Um, it's it's what we have to do to, to be able to be able to get on the other side of COVID and be victorious so where we're not having to worry about COVID really impacting the community and, and our lives quite as much as it, we try to get this thing to be endemic instead of a pandemic. But Sandra, did you get on to Premier Panton to see? Um, I haven't received a message, so let me just try to a phone call. Okay. So just go ahead going ahead and, and trying to get on to the premiere and um, we'll just kind of take a look at um, what's going on in the sister islands because that is also an important we do know that uh, we have some folks in the sister islands that are, are definitely watching and so it says as of eight this morning faith hospital confirmed that there were 14 active cases in um, Kim Bracken and little Cayman um, one COVID positive individual identified in the in, in the previous 24 hours so there was just one new case over the last 24 hours and um 94 people in the sister islands have recovered from from covid so um that was the details from the the sister islands and i am for the lateral flow test a lot of people are reporting which you know you're required if you have a positive test um if uh with, with a lateral flow test 1,691 positive lateral flow tests were reported um, on Wednesday, the 24th of November. Um, so that was the latest update for people reporting um, lateral flow tests. So again, 
lot of COVID activity going on in Cayman, um, but which is not really, you know, something that is really, we knew that this was going to be happening once community spread was was established. And, and so, you know, if you were following any of the uh, CMR COVID spotlights, you would have heard from experts, you know, explaining that, you know, this would eventually happen. And, and, and again, those who are unvaccinated, you're the ones that are a little bit more at risk. Um, and, and so it's something that we really, really encourage people to get vaccinated because, again, even look at our own local data, don't even need to look at the world data because Cayman now has its, its local data. It shows that those who are hospitalized in our own hospitals tend to be um, unvaccinated a lot more than those who are fully vaccinated. And those who are vaccinated and hospitalized, they tend to be um, folks that are also going through a lot of other health challenges. And we can't say that enough enough because it, it's it's something that we just want people to really understand and and really uh, make that that change and, and get vaccinated so we could protect more people. So Sandra, any luck with that phone call? Um, yes, Kevin, he um, is having some technical issues with the internet. So we're trying to see if we can get him back. Um, if not, we may have to just bank the remaining questions until the next segment. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, if, if we want, we could probably. Um, you can probably read some of these are comments as opposed to questions. So maybe we can go through um, some of the comments and then make a note of the questions. And then next time we'll have a whole slew of questions ready for him. Sure. So let's okay. go through um, them here. Olivia Ebanks, it says, uh, Kathy, okay, she's replying to someone that, that commented earlier. I know people who are COVID positive and not isolating. I called. Um, HSA to report on Saturday and the response was public health is not open on Saturday. So yeah, no, that's one of the things I've I've heard that, you know, that, that goes to that personal responsibility as well. Two people are not necessarily, um, you know, doing their part to, to lower the uh, community spread. Um, but then we do hear from the other side that people are reporting and, and not necessarily, you know, not hearing what, you know, there's not not a lot of follow-up on that so it's definitely a question we would um love the authorities to be able to to really reply to i'm not sure if public health would be the ones to respond to um a, a, an isolation breach that might be more um i guess it would be a joint initiative between that and law enforcement um so it would be um i mean interesting to hear why and what exactly the protocols are and to, to really follow up on, on that. We also had um, someone saying, it was good night to the premier. I would like for you to look into travel Cayman. My mother is a Caymanian living in New York and she wanted to come here to look for me, uh, to look for me, her son and grandchildren. But for some reason I have been trying to get uh, to travel Cayman about her travel certificate, but they're not, listening they just sent her an email that her travel um that her travel has i guess is, or is being approved but the certificate was not attached to the email and i was trying to let them know so yeah we've heard quite a bit of complaints on travel Cayman, so it's something we definitely would want to follow up on and and hopefully we could have maybe someone in the future from travel Cayman come on one of the shows i know they've been having a lot of different challenges with different things but i will definitely 
um, see if we could get on to someone from Travel Cayman to to offer some feedback with some of the challenges and, and maybe some, some more process improvements. And let me just say um, to here, why don't you uh, just send me a WhatsApp number or WhatsApp message, sorry, with your mother's name and, um, you know, obviously I'd see your contact number and just some details about her travel. And let me just see if I can get on to Travel Keyman directly. I've had quite a bit of success um, helping people with some Travel Keyman related issues. Um, so perhaps if you send it to me, this isn't something that we necessarily have to get the premier involved in. But I think he is aware that they have um, some growing pains. And um, I think they've also been really inundated with people who are wanting to travel now that phase four has been introduced. I mean, I'm shocked at just seeing the numbers, you know, with Cayman Airways, all the flights are practically full. Um, and a lot of people are applying. And yeah, it's probably more than they expected. So um, the premier might have to uh, look at, um, you know, hiring some more staff for that particular department. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Well, there's um, one of the questions that came in, natural immunity, um, it was one of the things that came up. And so I, I'm scrolling through some of our old videos from the CMR COVID spotlight. And um, I guess maybe we should play maybe um, one of the, the explanations um, that came up. I'm loading it in here. So I'll go ahead and add it to the stream just to mm -hmm. hear from the experts on that. This is really interesting. This is... Uh, comparing vaccine comfort immunity, the fraction of people uh, who are immune because of the vaccine, and the fraction of people who are immune because of natural immunity. That is, these are the people who got infected, lost the infection, and recovered and became immune. Most of the immunity in Cayman Islands, 79% currently, uh, about 80%, are due to vaccine-induced immunity. Only 3% is coming from infections. And that is a testimony to the very strong social measures which were practiced uh, in Cayman Islands. So social measures, you know, protected the susceptible people. But the problem with that is they remain susceptible, right? They got very little infections. So very little uh, acquired immunity coming from natural infections. Most of your immunity is vaccine-induced. Now, this is very interesting because latest reports are saying they might be differences between vaccine-induced immunity and natural immunity. Mm -hmm. yeah, so yep. that, that was one of the things where, you know, earlier in the show, someone had a question regarding, <laughs> you know, natural immunity, if it's better than vaccine. And, and so right. uh, the um, expert in that show was, was kind of highlighting some of the, you know, natural immunity versus vaccine immunity. And then we did have someone asking if all COVID beds at HSA is filled. Based on the, the latest numbers, it's not. And they also have the ability to um, increase capacity by quite a bit by opening up the Family Life Center um, location. And, and that and also I think they have that plan for early next year. So Correct. the premier extends his um, apologies, saying that unfortunately, even after restarting his computer, he was not able to um, get it to come back online. And so he's looking forward to joining us again um, in a couple of weeks time. So um, Kevin, why don't we um, make a note perhaps of just some of the questions. Um, so Carol says lockdowns are useless. <laughs> They're gonna be doing it every winter. 
Nicole says, are we waiting for all 55 beds to be filled before we go into lockdown? Um, well, I guess Nicole referred to Carol's point that maybe lockdowns are actually useless. I mean, there's two, two ways of looking at it, right? Um, I don't think that we're anywhere near uh, considering being locked down at all. Um, as Denny said, we are in wave one. <laughs> so uh, as, as the vaccine becomes more readily available for a lot of younger persons, perhaps um, we'll see that impact our, um, our numbers as well. So um, Kevin, in, in lieu of, or in light of, I should say, um, the premier not being available, I think what we'll do is um, we'll ask people to obviously come back with your questions. We do have some that had come in in WhatsApp and private messaging that we did not get an opportunity to ask him. So I'll save those up for next time. And uh, folks, do remember that he will be back with us. This is going to be a bi-monthly segment. The um, audience participation was wonderful tonight. Uh, always more questions than we could ever handle. But, you know, keep the questions coming. And then uh, the next time we will definitely, um, oh, here he is sending his apologies. Um, we will definitely send, uh, keep those questions and we'll, um, you know, pass those along. But yes, I, I agree that travel time is probably having some staffing issues. Um, travel key man, sorry. Slow, even when they're the ones who approve a person to come in, not a good look, says Loretta. Um, so, yeah. So I, I think that that is something to definitely... Uh, take into consideration. Uh, King says, who blackmailed that lady now and got her to resign? Mm. <laughs> she might be worried about that uh, audit report that's going to be coming out here shortly. Anyway, yeah, folks. It'll be interesting um, to find out more of the, the, the behind the scenes on that one, Sandra. Yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll get all this just in time for the morning show. Kevin, thank you so much for, for being a trooper and being willing to um, to jump in. Uh, really, really appreciate that this evening so that I could get that story up. No um, so that our, all of our viewers will know what's happening in the country as it happens. So again, folks, you've been listening to a segment of Premier Access, and we hope that you will join us again on the, that'll be today's the 24th. So that will be the 8th of December will be the next Premier Access segment. So start to think about, you know, what questions you have for the Premier at that time. Kevin, have a wonderful night. Good night, everyone. Take care. The Cold Hard Truth now has your premier access with Premier Panton. Hello, everyone. This is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mall Road's premier access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. Tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency answering your questions down to earth accountable and accessible to who matters you don't miss premier access on the cold hard truth spilling the tea like no one else